that to me is part of the community. It's about making someone smile. And if you can make someone smile, I think that helps every day, you know, helps everyone do what they do in their day. We forget to smile. We're so focused on either looking at today, looking at the phone or what's going on or thinking about something. But when do we last just take a walk or smile? So every day now I go for a walk along the beach and I always take a photo. That photo doesn't have to be of the ocean. This morning's photo was three different coloured bougainvilleas together. But it means to me that you're looking at what's around you and that's part of being in that community. You're looking at what's going on around you. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, a beautiful soul, the gorgeous Michelle Hamer. This woman is passionate about improving productivity and encouraging change that adds value. To facilitate improvement in her clients' businesses, Michelle provides education, assessment, enablement, and optimization, utilizing client software applications. Now, you might think this all sounds very left brain and very organizational, but she also has a beautiful right side of her brain that she uses and engages very much, which subscribes to the mantra that everything is possible. She practices an engaging style that integrates business, education, and information technology knowledge. And she does this with a beautiful hands-on, down-to-earth approach that not only ensures that her clients and their team are comfortable with and fully engaged in the change process, but her approach also assists in empowering colleagues that she mentors within her client base, the various not-for-profit teams she works with, and also for startup businesswomen. Now, this beautiful soul has been here on the coast for a very much big part of her life, having moved here at the age of five. And over the last 25 years, she has grown a very strong global network of clients and contacts, assisting businesses at all levels. Her client list includes large law firms such as Denton's, King & Wood, Mallison's, Minta Ellison, the Australian Government Solicitor, AGS, as well as organizations such as the Icon Group and the Sunshine Coast Council, to name a few. You are going to love to hear what helps this woman tick. And we dive deep into different strategies that she uses around self-care, self-love, but also what's important to her about living in a place like where we do right here on the Sunshine Coast. And I'm sure it will activate for you the importance of being in the present moment. I know you're going to enjoy this week's show, and I cannot wait for you to hear all that our beautiful Michelle has to offer. Please remember, if you'd like to place any comments or feedback, not only can you follow her by going to the link in the show notes so that you can follow her on her smartlearning.com.au website, but also you can head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28, or to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training, 
And you can also head on over to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Thank you so, so much for your feedback, your authenticity, your care, also the questions that you ask, which drive the quickies. And I also want to thank you for your five-star rating. It continuously helps me to get beautiful souls like this week's guest out there into the cosmos so that we can learn and love with each other. I hope you enjoy this week's show. Take care. Be kind. One of my most favorite things each and every week is to speak to extraordinary souls, people who inspire me, people who I look up to, and people who certainly probably don't even realize the part that they play in my life, which is why I love to share them with you. And this week, we have the exceptional Michelle Hamer, a beautiful woman who I have come to really love and respect over many years, particularly our connection in the business world. But she really is a dear friend and someone who I absolutely revere. Welcome to the show, beautiful Michelle. Thank you, Kim. Thank you very much for inviting me to be with you. Well, it is an absolute delight to share you. And what I'd love to do is if we could take the listener back, back to the beginning. I mean, we just said off air that you moved here to the Sunshine Coast when you were five. You are pretty much a local. But could you take us on a little journey as to what took you down the pathway? What led you into the work that you do? And what's taken you into the area that you're working in now? Uh, Thank you, Kim. So I have to say it's all because of my parents that we came here to the beautiful Sunshine Coast. Um, The funny story is we were living on the Gold Coast. Apparently my father came home one day and said to mum, Jean, you need to get your driver's licence. I've bought a real estate office on the Sunshine Coast. Um, That resulted in us moving here to the Sunshine Coast, which was, what, 55-odd years ago now? And, uh, yes, mum got her real estate licence and they had a, a fantastic office down along Bulleron Crescent at Alexander Headlands. And the coast was just a fantastic place to grow up. You know, I had the pleasure of going to Bar Primary School, Marichador High School, um, you know, and what can you say about living on the coast? As a child, you walked to the beach, you got to swim, you enjoyed work, you enjoyed, and I say work because most of us as teenagers went and had, you know, jobs at after school. Um, I got to work with a fabulous restaurant here on the Sunshine Coast and learnt all of the front, you know, the front skills that you do in a restaurant so that can take you anywhere in the world. Um, and then went to university in Brisbane, which was interesting because I probably had never really aimed for university but got into a computer course and I always thought I was going to do accounting. Uh, The joke is that mum used to say, well, you talk too much, you can't do accounting. I went, whoops, okay. So I thought I was going to do accounting but that would have taken me out to Toowoomba. And why that would have been great because that's where I was actually born, Um, mum and dad had just broken up so I wanted to be close to the coast so I chose to do this computer course at QIT which is now QUT in Brisbane and did a couple of years there and I'd do everyone else's accounting assignments and they would do my computer coding course. Um, Left there and came back to the Sunshine Coast. By then mum was running the real estate agency by herself And I worked with one of her, um, what would you call it, another real estate agent, 
and they had this old accounting machine that was this big thing that you would put a piece of paper in and slide the, the thing across like it looked like an old typewriter but like three times the size and the owner decided he was going to convert that to a weighing, not a weighing, I think it was, yeah, I can't really remember the name, some computer system. And I said, sure, I can do that. Um, so I started that. And then after 12 months, he decided I'd done the right job and he was going to make me into a receptionist. And as I often say today, and I was saying to a team that I was working with this morning, you never hire me to spell or type. I am the world's worst at that. And uh, so I said, sure, I can be receptionist and decided that maybe I should go and find a job in Brisbane. Um, so that led to working with a company called Control Data. So we actually, or they built, we did all the plan designs for the Gateway Bridge. You know, and there were some incredible projects that I was involved in and I was the custom service girl. So I got to finally talk, you know, and I'd be nice to all our customers. I'd get all their computer printouts and go talking. And um, the thing I found fascinating about the uh, Gateway Bridge is the northern side was when they started going down, they got to clay and they had to keep going deeper and deeper. And then the southern side was easy. It was easy to build. So it was an interesting arch that they had to actually build between the two. And as they started to make this arch you know, larger uh, or higher, we started to come into the airspace. So, like, you know, I've learned so many different things through this computer uh, computer world that I've done and and it's got to take me all over the world, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. Well, I, I did not know all of this. So I'm curious to know, the Gateway Bridge was built in what year? Oh, I'm going to go 40 years ago. 40 um, years ago. I'm so you... Years ago, so it was about nineteen twenty as I was doing that job. Yes, it's pretty amazing to watch such an iconic landmark being built that you are actually a part of. I can't even imagine how extraordinary that would have been, because my first visit to this to Brisbane was in nineteen eighty seven when yes. Expo 87 was on, and the whole of South Bank started to be converted into this whole Expo arena. Were you a part of that? And if you were or if you weren't, doesn't matter. Did you were you participating in that at all? Uh, so Expo eighty seven to me was at that stage. I had joined a company called Data Three, which is a national uh, IT company now, and I was their customer service manager at that point. And we had a law firm in Brisbane that we were just installing WordPerfect and a network. So I saw Expo out of the TNG building in Brisbane. Um, they were over multiple floors and, you know, they, would, they were one of the first law firms that would work, if you like, a double shift. So they had international offices and because they needed to be up and operational every day, you would have to do a lot of the work at night time. So I had a team, we would go in at night, we'd keep working and you'd be there to support them during the day. So it nearly, you know, it actually probably got close to breaking me being there because it was one of the first first times we'd installed this network. It was critical point. I had a team that were writing how to get all the printers working at the same time and, you know, printing documents, etc. So Expo 88 to me was out 
the window. You know, I watched all the fireworks at night time. The one thing I do always remember, and it brings a smile to my face, was this company, one of the managing directors, he was always known as a really large guy and a guy that, would, like, you just didn't want to meet. You always heard these stories. And I was in the office, I was on the top floor, and they had a beautiful staircase down into the next level. And I had this lovely mauve dress on, and I'd taken the sash off around the hips, put it around my neck. You know, you have your stockings on, you're all well groomed to be in these places. And I come sliding down the stairs, and I ran smack into this man. And he said, Who are you? And I said, More to the point, who are you? And he said, Well, I am. And I'll say it now, Joe Gannam. I went, oh, hi, how are you? I'm here to help you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so why Expo was out looking out, out the window, there are some fond memories of it doing it. Yeah, that. well, I mean, I remember you did right. It was 88. I just arrived in Brisbane in 87. And I do recall it very much. The New Zealand Expo was just so brilliant because it had the sound of birds as you walked in. It had the haka being played as you walked into this incredible, it was like a cave, actually, as if you were a Kiwi going into a Kiwi cave. And it was extraordinary. It showcased so much of what New Zealand was about. And I felt so proud. So it's pretty extraordinary that you were a part of that as well. Uh, I'm interested then, you said before you love to talk and yet you work in computers. That's very left brain and very right brain. I'm curious as to how you manage to work the two, because most people, generally speaking, are left brainers, very analytical, sequential, mathematical, or right brainers, creative, harmonious, into people, etc. How did you blend the two? Um, I think it was always because with mum and dad being in small business, you know, one of the things I saw very quickly was when I started to see the computers and I got to the application. So remember, I was sort of, I was really on the cusp of a personal computer coming in. So we were going from mainframes, which is what control data was, to, you know, I left there, joined a company called Parity Computers, and that was all about a PC. Um and what I found was that somebody with these applications had to show a business how to use that application. And that's when I came into my own because, because my parents had been in small business, I understood what it meant to, you know, everything, everything was a dollar and how did you get the most of this and why was it going to be of benefit to you? And to do that, I had to talk to them. So it was the best of all worlds, you know, and I, I probably love the spreadsheet side. So originally it was Lotus 123 and today it's Excel. And, in fact, I've just finished an Excel training course with someone this morning, a large corporate this morning. But, you know, you've got to apply your business skills to that piece of technology and create an aha moment for those people so that they could see how to take it on and how to use it. Yeah, I can see. I can totally understand it now. And you do it very, very well. Talk to us then about the pathway that you've taken in a business sense and maybe even include where the fa how your family has grown and what you've done to be back here on the coast. Can you let us know that pathway and now what you're doing here? Okay. Um, before I do that, there's two things I want to drop in there. Um, it's interesting you talked about Expo 88 because one of the things I do love is being in Brisbane. I go back to Brisbane fairly regularly and I love walking in South Bank to this day. And if you haven't done it lately, 
it really is a masterpiece of them showing that you've taken something from from Expo and what it is today. So I'd encourage anybody to go to Brisbane and walk that South Bank and enjoy that. Um, the other one I was going to say, and I don't know if you remember this, but when you and I met, you had only just come to the Sunshine Coast. You just launched your beautiful book, Like Chocolate, and we were up at, oh, God, I can't remember the conference it was, and I brought down to you and your fellow New Zealander, the lady, and again, you're going to have to tell me her name, and I was talking to you about how to organise your Outlook account. Oh, my gosh. Do you oh, my that? gosh. Yes, I do. Fleur and I, yes, because look, that's that's the most extraordinary thing of all because what, what I'm so fascinated about and why I want, and we'll come back to how you're back here on the coast, but what fascinates me about your story is that you've really evolved the whole way through the computer era, and I'm fascinated by what you have seen over those 40-odd years, how much that whole thing has changed and how fast it's changing. But you've just reminded me, absolutely, because that was very new to all of us, um, you know, the whole thing with Outlook and what we were trying to achieve. So, yes, please continue because this is fascinating. Um, so that's what I love and, you know, is doing that, is coming to people and going, actually, can I help you? You know, let me show you how to do something with these applications you've got at your fingertips that you didn't know. So if I take it back to the storyline of how I got into it, yes, I left the Sunshine Coast to go to Brisbane. Yes, I joined a corporate. I was in control in the CyberNet mainframe. And interesting, they wanted to make me the receptionist again because they were changing the business. Um, and I thought, you know, like I've always been taught you say yes until you find the next perfect piece. And the next perfect piece was a company called Parity Computers. And the interesting thing about them was that they were starting in a PC world. Um, they asked me, did I know these products? And I said, sure, thinking, oh, my God, no, but I can learn. And... Um, and they then very quickly found out that, no, I wasn't the receptionist and, yes, I was better off showing the companies how to do the, use the products. But the interesting thing about that company was the directors and one of the reasons I was attracted to that company was there was a director from IBM and there was a director from Control Data. So both of these corporations, you know, have got incredible histories to them. And the way that their culture and the way that they taught people to not only um, do their jobs but to act and present everything, it was the sort of thing that sometimes we miss in today's world, you know, when people come and join us. You know, we've got so many rules and regulations around what we can and can't say to people. But I think I was brought up in the right era, not only because I learned the technology but I was taught how to do business. And um Again, I've learned how to do small business because of my parents and then I learned how to do big business because of these great companies that I joined. Um, so Parity Computers was a lot of fun uh, and then, uh, you know, I can say uh, very excitedly I was poached by Data3 so I went and joined them. I had a great time there, again, learning you know, doing the whole expo and you worked incredible hours in the PC world because it was so fast moving that people didn't 
you know, we needed to stay ahead. You couldn't impact the client's business and you were trying to make these massive changes. Not that we understood things like change agents or anything back then, but you were very respectful of what you were doing in somebody's business. And, again, I was taught by great um, uh, leaders, you know, in control, sorry, in sorry, data three, uh, they'd all come ex-IBM. So, again, it was that great leadership that was in there. It was John Grant, Mark Esler. You know, I really enjoyed learning from those gentlemen. Um, and then I decided to become the client. And that's an interesting twist because you'd been on the technology side and you'd been, you know, not quite the salesperson but really always beside the sales team. And then I became the client and I joined a company called Queensland Trustees, which developed into Perpetual Trustees Australia. And that was predominantly to help them embrace PCs into all of their operations, again, learning applications. Perpetual Trustees has got a long history and a very respected history in uh, funds management, also in, you know, looking after people's estates, you know, when they've moved away. Um, So there was a lot of really interesting work to do there. So we did that for about, I think, five years, six years. I moved to Sydney with them, zoomed around Australia a fair amount for them, had a good time, and then I decided to come home and I rang Ken one day and said, Um, I'm coming home, 32 boxes have been packed up from Sydney and I'll be there in a week because I've just got to do the last tour and I'll be home. And I always laugh, he wasn't fast enough to change the locks and I've been here for 30 years now. So there you go. So that's how I got back to the Sunshine Coast. And What's the connection though? You've missed a part with Ken. So Ken was, uh, Ken was originally my mother and stepfather's solicitor. Um, and I thought, oh, you're quite cute, aren't you? And um, and so Ken and I have been together forever and a day since then. So I'm sure he's going to go, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't believe you're sharing this story. I love it. I love it. So did you work in the law firm with him and talk to us a little bit around how long Ken's been here on the coast and what you two have built and continue to do here back on the Sunshine Coast? Uh, so, no, I haven't worked in the law firm because it was really not only was it Ken at the start, then when he took in his business partner, Brendan Battersby, you know, it wasn't appropriate for me to be involved. And why I would love to have been involved, you know, I got to play with, and I probably shouldn't say play, but I got to work in lots of other law firms um, nationally, internationally. So, I've had a great career working in the law firms. The the exciting thing I think for Ken and I is that a lot of people actually don't even realise that we're together. And sometimes even with my mother, they go, I didn't know that you were Jean Hamer's daughter. And then there is this often surprises, I didn't know you were Ken Waddington's wife. And I go, yep, I am. And that's okay. You know, it's not our private life is probably private we have a lot of great close friends and um and we enjoy enjoy contributing to the community so together we either you know sit down and work out not only for the ones that we give time but financial commitment etc 
that's a very important give back to your community is very important to both of us you know as we do that Let's talk about community because you're both very active in supporting businesses, small businesses, Sunshine Coast individuals. How has that been such a big part of your world? And why is community so important to you? Um, again, I suppose coming from the Sunshine Coast in a small community, like you knew everyone, you know, and today I still see people, you know, riding a bike that I know. I saw my chemistry teacher that still lives at Alexander Headlands, Mr. Clark. You know, you see Mr. Clark up on the hill. Hello, Mr. Clark. Says, Please do not call me Mr. Clark anymore. You know, that was 40 years ago, Michelle. Like that. You just miss Mr. Clark. Um, why the community? Look, they are your people. You know, people talk about tribes. I think that's the word. It's community. I enjoy walking down the street and smiling and helping people. You know, the greatest sadness to me is, well, it shouldn't be the greatest sadness. The sad thing to me is if you're walking down the street and you're seeing people taking photos of, you know, the husband of the family or the wife of the family and they're not together. So we often talk about one of our first holidays together. I saw this happening and I said, "Can I just wait a tick. I went over and I said to the young couple, can I take your photo? And, like, this was unheard of. And they said, oh, would you? And I went, sure, I won't run off with the camera, I promise. And I took their photo. Do you know, that That to me is part of the community. It's about making someone smile. And if you can make someone smile, I think that helps every day, you know, helps everyone do what they do in their day. We forget to smile. We're so focused on either looking at, today looking at the phone or what's going on or thinking about something but when do we last just take a walk or smile so every day now I go for a walk on the beach and I always take a photo that photo doesn't have to be of the ocean this morning's photo was three different colored bougainvilleas together but it means to me that you're looking at what's around you and that's part of being in that community. You're looking at what's going on around you. And I love this. I love it because for many, when Instagram first started, I don't know what year that was, but a beautiful soul we both know, Nikki Parkinson Hubbard, was here on the coast. And she invited me to follow a, a page called Fat Mum Slim, who did a photo a day challenge. Now, there was two thoughts of mind around this. One was when you're taking a photo, you're not present. But I've always had the belief that when you're taking the photo, you're so present because you're looking at something to actually frame. I love photography. And for mm. years, my whole Instagram page has been based on a photo a day with a theme or something to look for. I see it as quite meditative. Is that still a hobby for you then from a photography point of view? And do you agree with me that it is actually about being present when you're framing up and looking at that photo? Oh, I totally agree. It's about being present. I think it's even more about that you're looking at your environment that you're walking around in and you're considering what is it that I'm going to take today that I can reflect later in the day or tomorrow or, you know, like I've just had the great experience of being overseas and I could show people what the Sunshine Coast looked like. Now, I am not a photographer. At all. Thank God for these cameras doing whatever, these phones doing whatever they do. And, you know, it looks beautiful. 
Um, I forget to post it on, you know, these different mediums. Remember, I am the computer girl, not the social media girl. And um, so, but they are for my pleasure. You know, I sit there and I flick back on my phone and I go, oh, that's interesting how it's changed a little. But again, by looking at your community as you're walking, that's when I spotted, I think it was a couple of months ago, we had a submarine out the front of Alexander Headlands. And I thought, I bet Caroline doesn't know that. Caroline Hutchison from Mix FM. I'm going, I better send this note to Caroline. And she said, I didn't know that, you know. So, you know, you can see things that you can share with people or the days that you're watching the whales jumping, and, you know, and you're stopping the other tourists walking along. Did you see that? And they go, what are you talking about? And you go, look at that. There's a whale jumping. It's and it's just insane. Yeah. It so really I, is. We're very blessed. And I can tell you this, the day that we got our citizenship, my children and I, they still haven't given it to my husband yet. It's cost us a fortune, but they still won't give it to him. Um, but what we noticed on the day of our citizenship was we had a beautiful Aboriginal local from the Gabi Gabi tribe. And he talked about the fascination of Malola Bar and how at certain times of the year, when a blossom comes into bloom, certain fish will come up through the channel. We don't fish for the first two or three days because they're the hardier fish. We fished on the third day after the tree blossoming, and that's when we'd fish. And just the story of the tribal land knowledge that our Indigenous people have is just extraordinary. Malulabar, the Sunshine Coast, is a pocket of paradise. What do you think is so exceptional, not only in its environmental state, but why are so many entrepreneurs and business people here? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would go it's coming. Now, I'm sitting here, I'm looking out from my office at a beautiful trees and I can see the ocean in the distance and I go, how can you not be calm? Because... Most of us, when we're working and you're doing it, but every so often you need to take a breath. You need to look at the things that are around you. You need to smell. You know, we, we forget to smell, and I find that's a really interesting sense. Um, we forget to smell. You need to smell what's going on around you as well. And the coast gives us that. You know, we're very fortunate that we are still not overpopulated. There is still a lot of growth happening. You know, some people would go, that's really bad. I mean, I remember as a 10-year-old, the whole idea that we were going to put high-rise on the Sunshine Coast, it was like, oh, God forbid. Um, but you do need, you know, we need to continue to grow. And, you know, that's sadly what happened to my, the team I went to high school with. We all had to leave the Sunshine Coast to enable us to do our jobs or to do our careers. And, again, I'm finding most of us are coming back in because we love the coast and it does give you that opportunity, you know, to take a breath. I agree. And I think that's probably its little X factor because we're in this pocket of not only, because I can tell you this beautiful, Michelle, one of the reasons we moved here after my gorgeous husband's sister sadly took her life is we needed something to give us a little bit of energy love and light we had a love and affiliation to the coast we'd holidayed here and when I suggested to Danny that we moved here some 17 18 years ago after the tragedy of losing his sister 
I remember the Sunshine Coast Daily did a photo of us on the beach, on Malulabar Beach, on the front cover, and it said, Morrison moves to the coast to put a bit of sunshine back in his life. And Mm. I actually would go one step further with you, not only around calming, but the weather, the sunshine, the waters, the mountains, the hinterland. We have such an array of environmental beauty that you could hike in a mountain or you can surf on a beach and you still get this exceptional, beautiful weather that just makes you feel good. We are called the Sunshine Coast for a reason. If you're, if you were to really say to someone, and I know growth's important and I know that we're still growing, the one thing I'd say that's missing here, there's not a lot of history or old buildings or beautiful architecture, but this is almost like, in my humble opinion, you feel like you're on holiday the whole time. What would be your one thing that keeps pulling you back? I know you've said the weather. I know you say calm, but is there anything from an energy perspective, business perspective, or social perspective that you think this has got better than anywhere else? Um, I'm going to say the beach, even though I don't spend, because of my nice white skin, Scottish skin, I don't spend a lot of time on it. If you... There was a time in Brisbane where I had a point that was really, I I had to make some decisions on what I was going to do. And I was really having a hard time with that. Um, I drove to the Sunshine Coast in my suit um, and I had stockings on, a suit. I threw off my shoes. I left the stockings on. I walked down the Lullaby Beach. And I think it is the, it's probably not the beach, it's the water. You know, you walk to the water and the water gives you energy. Um, And it's probably not for everyone. As you said, we've got incredible mountains. And, again, we've got a lot of water in our mountains so that we can go up there. And water is probably that piece for me that I love to see and feel and hear. Um, So I think the Sunshine Coast will always have that draw to me because of I can go to the beach, I can put my feet in that water, and I remember talking to team members from Calandra City Council once, and, they, and I don't know if this is true or not, but they said that a lot of holiday makers will come to the Sunshine Coast, they'll walk along the beach, but they will actually have their feet in water. And the longer that they stay here, the less they have to be in the water because they've got their iodine fixed. They've got the iron coming back into their body and they're calm again. Now, you know, one of these days I'm going to find out if that's true or not, but I, you know, just think that that is incredibly powerful. Um, we've just come home from Iceland. Now, here is an amazing place in the world, but I was actually very happy to get back on the plane and come home to the Sunshine Coast. I liked it. I could wake up. I can look at the ocean. I, I know where the sun is going to be. Um, I can hear the birds. So, you know, I think that, yeah, it's just, it's got it for me. It may not be everyone's, but it's got it for me. I agree. And there's such a beautiful, diverse range of different uh, mm. cultural identities here on the coast, a lot of different uh, backgrounds and backstories that so many people, one thing that was said to me, it's it's a very, it was considered very transient there for a while where people would come to holiday 
But then we found more and more those people have actually moved here. And you can see the development here, the houses. I mean, we're talking a strip that was maybe half a million dollar homes and now five, six, seven million dollar homes. Noosa has gone grown exponentially. Caloundra and Aura, the whole spread of the coast, some 350,000 people now live here. One thing that's captivated me in something that you said, and not many people ever say this, but the sense of smell. Now, you know that this is something very important to me. Being an aromatherapist, This, I believe the coast has its own smell. And I believe that smell is one of those beautiful emotion, uh, senses that can directly lead us to our emotions. What is it about smell that made you mention that? Because it's actually quite specific to you. Um. I have always linked, smell is, is very strong to me. And I remember when I first met Ken, I can remember the smell of his aftershave. Um, I, when I travel to Brisbane, why I love Brisbane, I actually have a diffuser that has an ocean smell in it and I leave it at the hotel. So they set it up for me. They set up my room and they put on my diffuser with my ocean smell. So that ocean smell is with me. When people tell me that they struggle or having a problem in their relationship, I often direct them back to the sense of smell. And I ask them, go back and think about when you first met, what was that smell? And I think it's one of your senses that people, they see a lot, they hear a lot, they speak a lot. Um, but they don't recognise smell enough. And I think the smell is the one that will catch people and they will stop and then think, you know, instead of just opening that mouth and start going, it's something that they have to go back in their memory. You know, like you can see them ticking back in time and starting to feel things. And I, that's why I think smell to me is really important. Um because it gives you a reflection of time. It gives you a reflection of thinking. It gives you this incredible, powerful way to reach into something that right. is just, you know, it all goes, as you say, a million miles an hour. The world is running at a million miles an hour. You know, we supposedly learned to stop with COVID. I don't think we have. You know, we've just picked up again and off we're gone. Um but that's why I love smell because it makes you go back into those memory banks. Yeah, and it happens supersonic fast too. You don't have to think too hard. That's what's so powerful. The emotion of that memory comes up very quickly. The moment you mm -hmm. even think of a certain smell, you can mm -hmm. evoke the same response. So I think that's just so cool. I love hearing that. You know, one of the most amazing things, you being really much into computers, analysis, Excel spreadsheets, formulas, and all of those sorts of things, yet also being someone who's very emotive, someone who thinks very deeply around things like smell. Like I'm sure people are listening to this going, wow, she's quite an enigma. Throughout your time, and you sound like you've you've got your life pretty much in order and all of those things, but I imagine you're the same as the rest of us. There's been times where it's been challenging. There's been times, like even you mentioned, there was a crossroad, a point when you were in Brisbane, some hard decisions. Could you explain to us, someone with your ability to be left and right brain, 
what were what's perhaps an example of a time you've been through a really big challenge, maybe even a bathroom floor moment? And what does Michelle Hamer do to get herself through those challenges? Oh, um, struggle like everybody else does. You know, I think anybody tells you they've got the formula how to get out. My God, they could write a million, earn a million dollars straight away. In fact, I was only thinking about this last Wednesday for whatever reason. I had a low moment and, I, you know, I like to try and dig and go, so what is the trigger to cause low moments? When you have all this beauty and, you know, like I have got a very full life, I've got a great life, a very full life, but why do you get low moments? You know, what is it that causes that? So um, I don't know, um, but clearly something does. And guess where I headed? To Alex Beach. <laughs> Um, and I hid outside the, I just hid in front of the surf club and the wind was blowing, but I was watching these people on the beach and I was looking at all of the the different things that they were doing. So I can't give you wisdom about how or why. I just recently have finished Kate Langford's book, you know, and I know Kate's been with you. And one of the quotes that really stuck with me was what was the evidence, you know, and that was she was reflecting on how she was thinking about something and somebody had suggested to her to go, so what's the evidence to enable you to come up with that decision? And so, you know, last Wednesday when I was sitting at the beach and I'm sitting there going, so what's the evidence here of why you're feeling like this? And I couldn't, and I went, you know what? Pick it up, princess. Pick up the the bloomers. Get back into the game and just go. And that's not being disrespectful. There are people with some serious problems out there. Um, And there are times when all of us, for whatever reasons that we don't know, and I think that's the hardest thing, is we don't know what triggers it. You know, but I try now to go, so what can I do to flick it? You know, what can I do to actually step up? Because, you know, Ken will come home and go, so how was your day? Great. Do you want to talk about it? No. You know, particularly if I've been training all day, the last thing I want to do is talk. And, you know, what do I say to my husband? I'm feeling low. Why? And I can't answer that question. Because I don't even know. I've done some soul searching here and I can't answer that question. So how am I going to tell him why? Um, so now I try to have always those triggers around that go, okay, you, you're sensing this, you're feeling this. So now let's start putting that joy back in. Um, put the joy back into it. What's the thing that's going to make you laugh? You know, get that. Is it that you're going to dance? Is it that you... I will say that I do have a roll of puppy dog photos, my mother's beautiful puppy dog, and I'll look at those and I go, isn't she cute? And I go, that's what you need. You need to have some of those little, and I call it my favourites. You know, I have favourite photos and I put the favourites in there. Um, And, yes, I do that on uh, Pinterest. You know, there was something a girlfriend said, I'll use that to do kitchen, to redesign the kitchen. Well, actually, I've done it about all the puppy dogs because I find dogs give a lot of love and they don't ask anything for it, um, but they do give you a lot of love. So I look at the puppy dogs and go, aren't you cute? 
It's such a beautiful thing, though, isn't it? Because there's something about nature, there's something about animals that just evokes, again, good feelings. The thing I'm taking from you is that you don't sound like you wallow too much in your own self-pity or self-sabotage. The thing that I'm hearing from you, Michelle, is that you take action. You may give yourself a breather or a moment to wallow, but am I right in saying you will get yourself up and out? You'll move your body, move your energy, look at something beautiful, hear something, smell something beautiful in order to move forward. Is that fair? Uh, It's very fair because it's, you know, everyone's got a lot of stuff going on in their life. And, you know, I have some very close friends and probably as a girlfriend held up the mirror to me and said, now, if I was Michelle Hamer and because I was reaching out to her and said, you know, can we have a drink together? I just need to, you know. And when we talked later, she said, look, I'm really sorry I wasn't able to be there for you, blah, 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 blah. And she said, you know what I would have told you? Be kind to yourself because often I write notes to my girlfriends and go, remember to be kind to yourself. None of it, we, we aren't very good at being kind to ourselves um, and I laugh because one of the days that we were trying to set up tea up our time is Michelle Hamer has a Michelle Hamer day every five weeks. And that's the big, the start of the big kind. You know, we have the facial in the morning. And sure, I drive to Mulaney for that facial, but there's actually a sense of reconnecting with self as you are driving that 40 minutes. Um, and Mulaney is a beautiful place, as we talked about the hills and all the rest of it. I drive to Mulaney. I have an exquisite facial. I then go for a walk through Mulaney and then I come back and I have my hair cut up in Budrum. I chatter to them and then I will go and have drinks with girlfriends, you know, down a cotton tree. And that is the most beautiful Michelle day and I do it every five weeks. This time of the year I've worked out what the first appointment is next year. I've given both the beautician and the hairdresser exactly the same dates. It's all set up. And it works. Um, So being kind to self, I think, is an important piece. Yes, sometimes people can spend probably a little too much time back in reflecting why. Um, And will we ever get to the answer? I don't know. I don't know if people do ever get to the answer if they keep trying to work out why. I think it is important, but you can only spend so long there. You know, you have to keep going. You've spent a lot of time with people, obviously training them, being in their company, supporting them, and of course, with what you and Ken have done from a community perspective. It led you into many different roles. One of those was being the president of the Sunshine Coast Businesswomen's Network. Could you tell us what that meant to you, what you learned from that role, and how it felt to be the president of such an extraordinary corporation? Being president, and that's back in the year 2000, and, you know, it's a very exciting year for us because we are celebrating 25 years of the Business Women's Network. So when you reflect that Bibi, who was the creator of, of this amazing, you know, organisation, and it wasn't called Business Women's Network back there, Women in the Workforce, I think it was, um, when I came back to the Sunshine Coast, I didn't know a lot of people and I Met this lady, I was, Ken was invited for Christmas drinks and he said, can I bring my girlfriend? And these friends, who are still friends to this day, 
didn't know that Ken had a girlfriend. Like, so, you know, we've led very private lives together. And um, so I came and I met Chris and a female Chris. And I said to her, she said, oh, I didn't know anything about you. I'm really sorry. And I said, it's okay. I'm not worried about it. And I said, but will you be my friend? And she said, yes, I'd love to be your friend. And I'm still very excited to say Chris is my friend today and I value my friendship with Chris, beautiful Chris. Um, and she was part of the Business Women's Network, so I got to see a little bit of it about there. Then Selena, by then I was involved in the Australian Student Management. I was also involved in it was the Marici Business Awards, which turned out to be the Sunshine Coast Business Awards. I was involved in their award process and with the AIM award process. And then Selena reached out, the then president of the Business Women's Network, and said, hey, could you help us facilitate ours? And I said, sure, I can do that, you know. Um, because back then I didn't have the money to contribute, but I had the time. So, you know, you often find there's that um you know, seesaw that's there, is it time or is it money that people have when they come into the community? So I had the time to give and I did. Um, long story short, within two years, the then Vice President, Sally Scott, who, again, I'm still a president, is still a very good friend of and rely on her to keep me up to speed on what's going on. Um, Sally said, I think it's time for you to step up and come in. So I did. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about non-for-profit organisations that, you know, we all feel very excited when we go to join and people say, we want you to join. You go, oh, yes, good, I'll do that. But what the other side of the coin is I learned a lot of things that you should ask before you join. Um, and, again, I see this happening with a lot of professional women today that get very excited about getting on boards and I say to them, so do you understand what the consequences of getting on a board? Yes, I get to go to board meetings and I get paid and I go, it's the least of the excitement. You know, there is always the financial contribution, the financial ramification of those boards. There's the structure, there's governance, everything else that, that comes in. One of the things that we did do in the year 2000 was that through a grant we were able to take not only the Business Women's Network board, but also um, other women through the Institute of Company Directors course, like that today is worth $8,000. You know, it wasn't that price tag back then. So what the Business Women's Network, I found it did for me, was enabled me to understand how women should be thinking about their businesses. That's what it did to me. So that helped me to then start shaping when I've gone into the successive role was the awards, chairing the awards, that always gave me that framework of thinking we're talking about your business but do you actually look at the whole of your business? You know, And even if you are an executive in a business, there are why you may not be totally responsible for all the pillars that run your business you know, you should be aware of all those moving parts because one pillar doesn't hold up a business. It actually is a variety of pillars and you've got to have those pillars in check. So whether you are a small business or whether you are working for a business, we need to be aware of those. And that business is also applied to your personal life. You know, again, women say to me, I'm not running a business. You are. You know, a home is a business. 
it is a 24-hour, seven days a week, function-moving business. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the Business Women's Network, you know, is all part of that. And we've seen multiple of the, um, through this great year that we've got, where we're all talking about what our legacies are for the network, we're also starting to see that, you know, different ones have education, have talked about their strategies, have talked about their governance. The Business Women's Network demonstrates a business and that's how we've been successful for 25 years is because we are a business, we understand we're a business and we need to provide a service to our members um, and the board is serving the members. And by the way, if we haven't worked it out, that's what a business is, you know. Actually. It's inclusive, like the whole thing is a rounded, inclusive thing. It's a circle. Yeah. Well, we were very lucky to have you in that role. And I've been very privileged and honoured to say that a lot of the connections and the people I've met has been through that network and mm. a lot of the support and also my customers have come from networks like that. And I've always said to people, even if it feels nerve wracking to join something like this, everybody feels the same, but usually corporations or organizations such as this actually welcome new members so beautifully and everybody is interested. You know, some of the other things that I learned through that is, um, you know, the avoidance and also the awareness of things like burnout. Mm. In your humble opinion, through all the years of working in business and supporting women in business, um, yeah, burnout has been an issue and balance is another word that seems to come up a lot for people. What would be your advice to people around avoiding burnout or being aware of it and also this whole thing or the concept of balance? What does that mean to you? Oh, the, look, and I was one of the instigators that had a question in there about having a balanced life. There is no balance in your life. <laughs> it is just a pendulum that keeps going. I think to me probably it's about self-awareness. You know, one of the, the you only give us two questions and that is what is self-love? To me that's self-awareness and you've got to be checking in with self. Um, you've got to watch those triggers. Again, it goes back to that when I'm having a, an off moment. What is the trigger that's causing that? And, you know, it's, it's all about the balance is all about the triggers. The balance is all about self-awareness with, with self. And you can't, I don't know how people give themselves to all these other things if they're not in touch with themselves. And if they aren't in touch with themselves, then I think that they're still out there searching and I go to stop, you know, keep asking people about what you should be. It's not going to solve the problem. You've actually got to take a moment and whether that moment is a day, an hour, a month, a year, but it's about having a conversation with self and writing, you know, I'm not a great writer, but writing and just collecting things that, you know, will help you create that self-awareness. It's interesting. I wrote a book called The Art of Self-Love, as you know, and mm. the first step in that, in my humble opinion, the pathway to self-love is exactly what you just said, self-awareness. So I'm very grateful that you talked about your definition because it's checking in with self. And I really love that. 
And then I'd say the step on from that, given the conversation we've had today, is the honesty with yourself Mm. and then uh, having the ability to create choices or take action that Mm. allows you to feed into the so-called thing called balance. In all of your years, in all of the things that you've been working on, what is it that Michelle Hamer is driven by today? What drives you to still deliver such high-caliber um an organization but also programs the way you deliver what drives you mm, there's there's a deep meaning there um i'm going to say professionalism because when you look back on that when i joined the organizations and i talked about ibm and i talked about um control data it was about professionalism and um and professionalism has so many different levels to it, but that's what I would hope people, when they look at Michelle, go, yes, yeah, she's professional. It doesn't mean that I have to be in a suit and, you know, whatever else, but that I'm, you know, the professionalism that I am holding myself, the professionalism is that I care for people, the professionalism that I learn to shut up when I need to shut up. Um, professionalism is having respect for others. I think that's a really big one. You know, just that whole stopping and listening. Um, I don't find that there's a lot of that these days. And I'm just reflecting very quickly on a conversation I was having with a young girl yesterday and she's going on and on and on. And just, just stop, hold it. What I'm trying to to show you here is, but you don't understand. And I'm going, I've listened. Now I need you to listen to me. So one time in itself. And I think it's always that thing, you know, they talk about one of these and, sorry, one mouth and two ears. Um, So the professionalism is all about learning to use, again, all those senses and that sixth sense of gut. I think that's a very big piece in that professionalism. So it's always been the driver is that. Now, I'm I'm telling you that there are days when I lose the whole lot. (laughs) That's okay. You know, when Puppy and I go walking with each other in the morning, Puppy and I have these great conversations. It's all one way. She looks at me and goes, really? Oh, okay. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she'll bark or something and I go, really? Is that how a young lady you know like it's a whole my next door neighbor often sees me walking and talking to this dog and goes there's michelle yet again (laughs) michelle's going mad i love it i love it Um, you know when you think about your um the the people here the women that you train the men that you train all the different things that you do could you explain to us exactly what services you offer because i do feel like someone listening to this right now will be going I need Michelle in my corner. Can you tell us what you're doing, how people can connect with you and what that means to you as a beautiful business owner? So I'm very fortunate that I'm now moving into that new season that's called semi-retirement. So I decided last year that I was handing away my big clients and I was actually giving away all my clients. So that was worked out really well for about four months, five months, because as the lovely Min Swan said, for somebody who's in semi-retirement, it's harder to find a hole in your diary than anybody else's diary at the moment. Um, I love Microsoft. Now, I know it doesn't work for everyone, but for me, I love their productivity tools. So if you want to, 
I love the days where I'm sitting there showing people as I was yesterday in our local council. I was in-house showing them how to use Excel. And you can see these smiles and you go, so I got you then, didn't I? And she goes, yes. And I love that. You know, that to me is I could show you how to save a moment. And every moment when you save just gives you a minute. And then that minute rocks up to hours. So, you know, finding tool, find showing people how to use their Microsoft products is what I love doing. So I've set up the the next iteration of Michelle Homer called Smart Learning. And it's got a website that people can go and see the little videos because I'm atrocious at writing, but I'm really good at talking and showing. So I do little videos and show people how to do these sneaky things, including when I was on that holiday, we were on a cruise ship and, you know, I couldn't help myself, could I? The days at sea. So I said to the beautiful assistant general manager, what do you know about Excel? And she said, actually, I'm okay, but I could learn more. And I said, I will give you an hour of myself every day that we're at sea. Well, we had a great time. And then she left, she gave me a task right at the end. She said, could you show me how to do this? And we could never reconnect because of the pressures that they had going on, trying to manage 900 guests. God, could I not do that? And um, so I did a video for her and I put it up and said, right, go visit it whenever you need. So I love when people say to me, hey, Michelle, I'm thinking about how do I do this? And I love thinking on that and solving it. So what do I do? I, I love helping people use the Microsoft products in their business. Smart learning is all about that and they can come and have a look at it. That's perfect. So I'll put the links into the show notes, smartlearning.com.au for those of you that are driving or out there walking, but I will make sure that all the links and all the socials are in there for you. Beautiful girl. We could talk for ages and I absolutely love hearing your stories. It's been a privilege to, I think we emceed the awards one year for you. I think we've We've crossed paths many times, but you're someone who's always been a huge advocate and supporter of me. And so I just publicly want to say, first up, thank you. Thank you for the love and care and support that you've always shown me in my business here on the coast. And it's not always been easy, as you know. So yeah. I'm very, very grateful for the pathway. Also, the fact that Ken actually sponsors an award. Um, I think he still does to this day. His business focuses and also his law firm sponsors one of the awards of the network but also we have a lot of beautiful chambers of commerce here we have a lot of other different corporations that people can be a part of in your closing message thinking about the self-love podcast listener who may have their own business or be working for someone else they're usually a multitasking person they give a lot they want to learn a lot and they certainly want to feel like even if they're not the ones necessarily driving or making the big difference in business they want to be a part of that. What would be your closing statement, uh, conversation? And maybe you could include your favourite quote as well. Um, it would be my pleasure. So I love this one. It's Sandra Bullock. And she calls it the rule. You have to dance a little in the morning before you leave the house because it changes the way you walk into the world. And I'm not going to say that I stand up there every morning and do a little dance, but I do think about it and it'll put a smile on your face. And that's, it doesn't matter what you do. If you've got a smile, 
even if it's a pretend smile to start with, it actually comes into a, a smile, a beautiful smile, whatever way. Um, I'm also going to say thank you to you because, again, our paths, as you say, have crossed in all different things. I still have and your aroma, you'd be horrified that some, I still have some of your original aromatherapy in. I bought so many bottles of it. It does travel with me. I also have your lovely diagram up there from your self-love book. So it is there as a reflection point to help. And I've probably shared way too much that I've never shared before. So thank you for your kindness in asking the questions. Oh, it's such a privilege to have you on here. You are someone who is the epitome of professionalism, that without a doubt. And I just hope that we continue to have many, many more moments, not only from a successful business point of view, but also in friendship, in those drinks, those walks on the beach. And just the reminder, I think one of the biggest things I've taken away from today is that smiling costs nothing. And yet it can give so much. And it's something that I try and practice every day is to smile to a complete stranger. And I always put it out to my networks about doing random acts of kindness. And that can be as simple as a beautiful smile. So I want to thank you for the reminder. And I certainly wholeheartedly want to thank you for being with me here on the Self Love Podcast. Have a great afternoon. Thanks, Kim. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.